find your forte. Live your forte. Welcome to another Finding Your Forte podcast. You're back with Seeps. Um, today I've got a very special guest, a lovely person, someone that I enjoy following. Um, has got a bit of notability to her, a bit of notoriety to her as well for being very vocal. Um, I guess from what you can see, if you're hearing this, um, you may know her from uh, Backchat. But then she's known for other many other things from a book club, just to being a very vocal opinion online amongst very much irony things um also music but without further ado how are you as well i am good my love how are you i'm all right you know I'm please right. excuse my voice i'm losing it that's why i sound a bit it's like all right this. it's all right we can all just kind of slightly turn it up so yeah. you know your voice is captured as best as it can but yeah. how's your day been um it's all right i'm tired had a long ass day but no it's been a, it's been a good day to be fair cool cool it's been a good day how's your week been though it's gone nice and quickly, we thank God, because Monday morning I was like, I can't believe this shit, I can't believe it's Monday again. I really mm. couldn't believe it. Do you know what? The thing about Mondays now, right, the way I manage my weeks now, is that I try to make my Mondays as productive as possible. It's hard, but I try to make my Mondays most productive because, you know, it sets the tone for the week. Yeah, it sets the tone for the week. And <coughs> you always have that backlog at work that you need to catch up on. And I realised that when I do have a productive Monday and I come home, I have a good sleep that day. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that yeah. Sunday night sleep, you're always like, you're just, you don't sleep well. So yeah. now that's how I kind of set off my weeks and whatnot. But I understand you are a teacher. Yeah, I'm a primary school teacher. How is that? Um, it is a stressful job, but I enjoy it. Mm. But it's stressful, I'm not going to lie. Mm. But I enjoy it. I do enjoy it. So what ages do you teach? I'm currently in year six. So I can teach any age from year one to year six. So okay. from five to 11. And which do you like teaching the most? Um... I've only, so far, I've only taught year two and year six. Okay. And I can't decide which one I prefer. Two, year two, year two, they're far more obedient. Like, they listen. Yeah. And, like, they're still scared of you. Year six is kind of like... They're kind of the same size as you. Sometimes I think to myself, I have to be careful because sometimes the way I chat to them, I'm like, I give them bad attitude. I'm like, I don't know if this is allowed, you know. Mm. Like, I'll be doing the sarcasm thing. Like, like, we was in a lesson the other day. And I asked the, one of the boys to do something, and he was like, Miss, I don't want to. I was like, Miss, I don't want to. Get out of your seat and go and your cup. And afterwards, I was like, if I was getting, <laughs> if I was getting, if I was getting, um, what's it? What's it called? Observe right now. Yeah, observe, I don't know what, God, I don't know what they would have said to me. And one of them was like, they was talking, and then he was like, um, he was saying something about his face. And I was like, your face is going to be outside in the corridor if you're not still talking over me. And sometimes I'm like, you need to chill. They're dead. <laughs> But, but they're cheeky, you know, they're, don't get it wrong, like, they're smart and they're very Listen, cheeky and they know what they're doing. They're mad cheeky nowadays, they know what they can get away with. Like, even when we was in school, we kind of knew that what the limit was to push. As much as we got like, we were better kids than the kids are now, we weren't too different from them, yeah, realistically yeah, yeah. speaking. Like, and it feels like, I feel like I'm Jekyll and Hyde. One minute I'm busting, joke, high-fiving, and the next minute I'm like, get <laughs> in your seat. Like, one of them today irritate me. She's one of my students, I love her to death. She actually reminds me of me a little bit mm. when I was in school. Just like, not bad. Just like, whispering every minute, she wants to chat. Yeah. Maybe she wants to do something else. And I, I had to stop myself from shouting at her. But the way, and usually she does this thing, like where they do a nervous smile, but I thought, I'm not going to stop telling you until you, I tell her, wipe that smile off your face. Yeah. And in the end, she was just sitting on the floor. She looked stressed. I was thinking, yes, yeah, good. That's how I feel. <laughs> That's how you make me feel. 
But nah, I love them, man. They're so funny. They're so cute. They're still cute. You think like, oh, Lemon, they're still so cute at that age. They're still so cute. See, I'm telling you, you don't think so. Like when you first meet them, but it's honestly, when you first meet them, when you go into a new class, you just think, I'm not going to vibe with them. Like, I'm not really feeling these kids. And you get to know them. And every it happens every single time. Every single time I've been to a new school, I'm with a new class, I'm like, nah, I'm not feeling this lot. And in the end, you just, like, you find something so amazing about so many of the characters. Is that what... What made you go into teaching then? Um, because I feel like if we're trying to change... If we're trying to change... I feel like changing people's mindset that at my age, it's like, I'm not really on it. I feel like... I really feel like... the it Like... The goodness that we need is in the next generation. Like I'm not really, I'm not really concerned too tough with changing people's opinion that I'm my age or older, or whatever. I'm mm. looking at people that are up to maybe like 21. I feel like they still have a lot of space to grow, a lot of space to kind of reconsider their values, reevaluate. Because yeah, I definitely would because at me now and who I was at 21, it's just it's not true. True. And especially now, they have a lot more people to like look up to and a lot more. A, a lot more places to find inspiration there mm. because because of the internet because of social media and I feel like because of that it means they're more open but isn't that a bit of a gift and a curse the whole element of having more people to look up to because 100%. while there's more quantity it doesn't necessarily convey quality and like now we see but it's a, a greater less... variety but do you think variety so the variety you think is a good thing I think the variety is a good thing because but do you think the only people I could look up to was Destiny's Child. Wow. That's it, really, isn't it? Oh, like who were like social media influencers what I think. It was either actresses, singers, who else? What else did you have? True, rappers. Rappers. Obviously, I'm not sports. like sports. And, 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 and sports people. Yeah. Like what else was there? Now someone doesn't have to be rich and famous for you to for them to resonate with you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, but at the same time, now everything is it's, everything is an image thing. Like, it's all an image thing now. Yeah, For a lot yeah, of people, yeah. it's an image thing. But at the same time, like you said, it's a gift and a curse. It's a double-edged sword, so... That's interesting. I think, like, for me, when I look at the whole kind of influencer, the whole element that now somebody can be anybody, or anybody could be somebody, should I say, I think nowadays it comes across very contrived. And it's less so what the kids are doing because they have that sense of naivety to them. But mm. I think... Everybody's trying to be something, but that something doesn't have a, a sense of credence or substance to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when it kind of kind of hurts me saying that you're kind of overstating your importance. And maybe that's 100%. just me being... hundred percent. Just being critical. Everyone is so self-serving, so self-absorbed. A lot of it is self-indulgence. Like, And I feel like there's a fine line between loving yourself yep. and being obsessed with yourself. And being self-obsessed. Like, there's a very fine line. And I'm not going to sit here and decide who is what. Like, that's not my business. Me, I don't care. Mm. But there's a fine line. And I know what I think. I'm not going to go around sharing that opinion on every single individual. It's mm -hmm. not my place. Like, I don't need to. That's not my place. People like you. People like you. Do you get what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be... You know, you get some people sitting there and I don't even know why people like her. Like, she's not <laughs> even that good. Like, that's not my business. You're not that good to me. You might be the bee's knees to someone else. Yeah. They may be a bit deluded, but, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> so taking that on board now in terms of, like criticism and everyone having a critique i guess with you and you know being on back chat you know for those that may not be familiar back chat is a very prominent web show where it's a lot of young people discussing a bag of stuff as limitedly i can put it but what was your experience like on that because i think for me i never quite really gave my gave my full attention to it and my full energy to it because i just didn't really resonate with me but yeah. from what i did gather from it and what I gathered from you, 
you seemed like the most level-headed one out of a selection of people who had very polarizing views mm. where if you could find someone that you could resonate with <coughs> it's likely to have come from your mouth but then ironically because you were the reasonable one you got backlash for that as well i mean no one i mean like not everyone's gonna like me like that's not possible yeah do you know what i mean and there's gonna be time like i'm i'm only a human being like there's gonna do, be times where i do things like where i make an error in judgment and i do something like and it is what it is yeah um so i mean it, you know what i mean it is what it is like not everyone's gonna like me of course i was gonna get backlash i put myself in like out there, I was gonna get backlash, but it doesn't matter how perfect, unless I sat there and said absolutely, that's even a lie. If I sat there and said absolutely nothing, it would have been, why is she there? Like, she don't <laughs> even say nothing, like, yeah. just there, like, just do, do you know what I mean? It, it literally doesn't matter what you do, but I had an overwhelmingly positive response and it really took a long while for me to actually be like, okay, cool, I can actually do something with this. It took me a hot minute. How long did it take you? Like, what was your process going through that? Because from the outside looking in, it seemed it was a viral online viral phenomenon. Yeah. You know, from where it went to to where it is now, I'm sure, you know, the producers and everyone behind it had a plan. But I'm sure that plan manifested quite frankly differently in at one stage or another, especially around that kind of channel four stage. Mm. When for you was it okay, this is this could be something? Did you ever have that thought? And furthermore, in that kind of first two, three, four episodes where it was just every, was it every Thursday it come out? Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. You just knew that something provocative was going to be yeah, said and then yeah, you yeah. had to kind of play up to that. Knowing full well that you may not agree with the most prominent view that the show portrays. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Because that can sometimes be a, a moral conflict. Um, the one thing about the show that I like is that everyone is viewed as an individual. Mm. I do, feel, I do think that is the case. I don't think we're viewed as a collective because there's such different characters on the show. I think everyone is appreciated in their own right. And lucky, luckily for me, that meant people saw me as I was and not as a part of this thing. Do you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the show is an amazing idea. It's done so well. The producers worked so hard and they're so, the team behind it is so talented. Like, yeah. They like know their shit. Do you know what I mean? And I'm so happy to this day. Like, I'm so happy that I blew up for them. Yeah. Um, I didn't anticipate at all. Like, I don't know if anyone did. Because obviously, we had, I hadn't personally, but the producers and some of the cast members had recorded that a year before they put it out. Really? A year. The cast members kept changing, new people. I came on, I think I was the last person to come on board. Yeah, I was the last person to come on board out of okay. that group. Um, and it was, I've told the story so many times, but it's just so funny because it just wasn't even meant to happen. One of the producers, she's a photographer, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and she was taking pictures of me and naturally we're just yapping away. And Andy was there in the room um, and before I left he was like, oh, do you want to be on a talk show? And I was like, yeah, why not, fuck it, you can mm. text me in it. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And he texts me and I was like, cool, yeah, I'm there. Went to the first one recorded for about we recorded started recording in summer so about three months and mm. then obviously it came out three four months and it came out in november and the the first episode that you guys saw is the last episode that was recorded so that whole year that whole process the first episode that you guys saw with the side chick thing that was literally the last episode we recorded before we started putting it out wow and at the time in my head 
I'm not really thinking about, oh, this is going to go viral. This is like an internet thing. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just like, this girl's mad. <laughs> like, this whole thing is mad kind of thing. That's what I'm thinking. It's just funny. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, not thinking it outside of that room. It's just mm. contained in that room, that experience. And then it came out. And in my mind, you know, you had the, you had the vocal, really vocal people, the really, like, um, strong personalities, like Lucas. I was like, yeah, Lucas, Esther, you know, they're going to be the hits of the show. Everyone's going to love them because they're so... This you know and that? so that that's what I thought. That's in my head. That's what I'm like. Okay. Like people are gonna like Lucas and Esther the most because you know they're so like they're funny and whatever. Because for me in my head I'm like, I'm a thinking, oh you're so reasonable, you're so level headed. In my head I'm like, you're kind of dry. You're not really saying nothing. Do you know what I mean? You're not really giving giving them the fire. You're just being like, yeah, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not really too fond of plastic surgery. I just I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I just rather avoid it. That's not interesting. That's not interest. That's not interesting opinion to me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, I didn't even go to the premiere. Like I didn't go, like I weren't invested in it like that because to me it was just something I was doing for fun, and they was gonna put it out and it's whatever. So I remember the premiere came out, and it was like a dress up thing, and I was just like I was at school. I had like um, I had to redo a test with the kids after school, and I was just like, Do you know what? It's just oh, it's just long. Like I'm tired. Mm. Not gonna go. And I remember the day after, a few people messaged me, like, we saw the premiere, you was wicked, you was amazing. And I was like, oh, man, thanks, like, I appreciate it, whatever. Again, just like, oh, that's really this, nice of you, kind of thing. That. Like, yeah, yeah I was like, everyone was rooting for you in the cinema. I was like, oh, that's so nice, kind of thing, whatever. Puts it back on my mind. Next thing, the episode comes out, and everyone's like, as I, everyone is talking about you online. And I'm like, yeah? I'm like, I swear down. They're like, you need to go and search your name. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even know searching your name was a thing. Like, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, you need to go and search your name. So I searched my name. It was like, the bald thing is kind of buff. And I'm like, swear down. And I remember looking at the episode. <laughs> I remember looking at the episode on my phone, yeah? Because that day, basically, the day we recorded that episode, it was my birthday the day before. And I came to set bare hungover. Like, I came to set like five hours later. And everyone was waiting for me. And I wasn't going to go that day. I was, I was mash up. But oh, Zoe kept calling me. And I was like, I feel bad. They're waiting for me. So I went, I'm not wearing any makeup I've got there. I was like, listen, let me put on some concealer in it and some mascara because man looks a bit worked. So I went in, <laughs> first time, whatever, and we're sitting down. And in my head, I'm just like, whatever. I just, you're not thinking anything of it. Yeah. So when it came out, I remember watching the episode and I'm holding my phone like this and I'm like, trying to see like, right on, people think I'm cute, yeah? I hope so not. I'm not looking at the phone <laughs> kind of thing. And I, it just kept going, it just kept going. Because obviously a lot of those episodes we had recorded before it came out. Yeah. And um. Yeah, it was... Um, yeah, there was a sly fandom about you still. It was mad. It was so mad. Yeah. It was so mad. The replies on, the, on, on, the, on the, your, your tweets and your pictures that you would post, it was a bit of a madness. It was so mad. And I'm so, I'm so, I like... As much as, like, it's, it's, um, it's exciting, it's so humbling, mm. especially when you don't expect it, because it's, like, raw, like... For some people, it depends how you take it, but for me, it's really humbling because I'm like, these people do not have to like me. Mm. I'm not even really doing anything. Like, they could actually hate me. Mm. I'm so lucky that they like me kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So for me, it was really humbling. But now I'm starting to be like, no, nah, you're shit. You're, you're sick as, you're the shit. That's what I keep telling myself. As you should do. As you should do. But then going through that, you're talking like things. What the hell are you doing? He's waving. He's waving? What a waste, man. He wants to say something. What do you want to say? I was just going to ask, I think... You'd like to know what was the worst thing that you got in your DMs? Oh, yeah, episode? I got. Yeah, what was the worst <laughs> thing you got in your DMs? My DMs were closed. My DMs so were you closed. didn't acknowledge no, any of them whatsoever? No, 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 they were closed. You couldn't DM me if oh, you didn't it? follow me. Was that just at the very beginning because of the overwhelming responses you were getting? I can't remember, but I think I think they might have always been closed. I had no real reason that I had them open. Fair but I might have had them open, I closed them. I just remember thinking, yeah, my DMs are staying all the way closed. <laughs> all the way closed. What do you, what, what was it like for you getting all those kind of like replies and like mandem just like 
saying a bag of, bag of stuff underneath your pictures and tweets and stuff like that because even that was funny to see just in terms of... I remember <coughs> one moment where I think you mentioned you were in a relationship and it was just like heartbreak, heartbreak, yeah, heartbreak, that was, heartbreak. <laughs> that was funny. That's so, but the thing is, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because it's like, as much as it can be flattering or something, it's mm. like, you're not the only person. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, enough women get that. Like, it's not... Mm. It don't really make you special. Do you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, it's nice. You're kind of like, oh, that's kind of like... Like, you mm. know what I mean? It's nice. It's pleasant. Like, mm. it's a nice feeling, but... At the same time, like, be real with yourself. Like, it's the internet. Like, beg y'all get that. Like, it's not... It's fu- It was funny, though. Some of them lies are really, really, really funny. Really, really funny. Most of it makes me laugh. Most of it really makes me laugh. I can't confirm what the knife I was in there, but, you know, I, I, saw, I, saw, <laughs> I saw things. I saw things. That's all I can say. That's all I can no, say. No, it was funny. It was funny. So, from, like... So, now we've gone from kind of you doing teaching as your current profession. Yeah. And Backchat has kind of been... A, uh, an experience which has given you a trajectory that you probably couldn't have thought of. Yeah, at all. How have you kind of leveraged that now? Because... Do you know what? <clears throat> like, for me, looking at it as well, is like, it's kind of turned a lot of people to larger than life, where now your voice is now magnified, and now what you say has a lot more significance. <coughs> where before... You could have been Thradisha and no one would have really paid too much mind to it. But now because you've got this platform that all types of people are watching and now you're talking on a comment, you're talking on subjects which everybody's talking about. But now your voice matters more. Mm. Did How was that for you in terms of like knowing that your, your voice kind of had a bit more amplification than before? It's been a huge, huge, huge learning curve for me because... Like, if I'm going to toot my own, own horn for a hot minute, everything that I've ever personally tried mm. that I've wanted to do, I've pretty much been good at. Okay. But I have this level of humility that's even starting to piss me off. Yeah, humble pie because starts I'm to like, stay after a while. Because I'm like, okay, at this point, like, I'm not really... I'm not really owning... I'm not really, I'm not really acknowledging... Your greatness. That that yeah, I'm not really acknowledging the things that I'm good at. I'm not really acknowledging the level that I should be at or the level that I should be working to, mm. or even the level that I'm currently at. Like, even with like my writing and stuff, my blog. But, but the fact that the only I think one of the reasons I haven't kept it up is because it takes so long. But I remember after doing that, I was like, and I started my blog. I was like, you're a good writer. Like, as you're a good writer, do you know what I mean? Mm. You can write. Like, you're a good writer. And there's loads of things that I've tried public speaking, and I feel like I'm I'm good at that too. But at the same time, as much as I'm good at it this idea of <clears throat> having my opinion out there all the time doesn't sit well with me because I feel like you there's a certain you need a certain character mm-hmm. to be able to build a skin thick enough to deal with that and I don't mm-hmm. know if I'll ever reach that place and as much as I've got I've got to a place now where it's helped me realize my potential I feel like being being in this situation I feel like even though it's taken a while I feel like it's helped me realize my potential and I'm starting to be like yeah humility is good but at the end of the day you really have to believe in yourself and you really have to like you really have to believe in your source like you Mm. really really have to do you know what I mean Mm. and it's actually so much harder than you would think and the thing is you don't even realize you don't believe in your own source do you know what I mean you don't even realize that you're like you're not rating yourself I do that all the time. So, like, one of the biggest complaints a lot of my friends have with me is that I'm very deprecating. As in, I'm the first one to kind of... If someone gives me a compliment, I'll probably take the piss out of myself. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or I'll underplay my... Keep nodding his head like... Endeavours. I know he's knocking nodding his head. I can, I, can feel his, I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it in the back of my head. But 
going back to your point in terms of like having to affirm your greatness and having to like always put at the forefront what you're actually capable of. Like I'm in a similar kind of position to you where most things I do, I'm pretty good at. Like even when it comes to things that I make or create or just practical skills, everyone's like, why don't you make money off of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you do this? Like, oh, you know how to fix computers. Oh, you know how to do this. You know how to do that. Why aren't you monetizing it? And for me, it's like, mm, it's like there's somebody else that can do it or like, you know, someone else that takes it more seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah. But it's really hard when you have that battle inside of you where you know, it's like you, the, the point you made off air where you were saying that logically you know that this makes sense. Yeah. And that, I have this following. I know people feel this way about me. I know that this is a good song. Exactly. But then when you actually think about putting it out, there's just this little person inside of you that's like... It's what I say to myself sometimes is like, doubt only leads you to... No, doubt gives you more questions, but faith leads you to the answer. Mm. And it's only when you have faith in yourself that you get to the answer, which is ultimately the result you're looking for. Yeah. But I think a lot of times we feed our doubt more than our faith. 100%. You know what I'm saying? And then that's what's the reason 100%, 100%. Why, we, why we get to that point where we want to do something, but we disable ourselves from achieving what we want to achieve or doing what we want to do. And it's like, even when my friends come to me and be like, oh, bro, I want to do this. Nowadays, my response is, rather than like, going through the pragmatism of like, all right, yeah. cool. This need, I'm like, do it do then. It. Mm. Just do it then. Like, don't talk to me about it. Like, I know you want my my validation or my, <coughs> my assurance. <coughs> the only time I can give you my, my full support and assurance is if you're doing it. Yeah. I'm not going to just big up your idea because ideas are dime a dozen. Yeah. It's only when I see you doing something that comes off the ground that I can say, yeah, okay, cool. Now I can practically add value to this. Mm. Or now I can see this having some legs to it. Where a lot of times when people have ideas or when people have kind of like disabled themselves with all this doubt or this lack of, or this overwhelming humility that they try to keep, all they're really doing is they're playing themselves. 100%, man. You're playing yourself more time out of 10. And I think, I don't know, it's, it's, it's always going to be a conflict, especially, would you say you're an introvert? No. Would you say you're an extrovert? Or would you say you're in the middle, you're ambivert? Because um, my Twitter name for a little while was antisocial extrovert. So and you're then, an ambivert in the and so, What's an ambivert? Oh, someone in the middle? Yeah. So you're an extrovert and an introvert. You have the, you have, you're almost in the line in between. Yeah, 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 literally. Because sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go wild. Other days I'm like, no, no, leave me. <coughs> yeah. But even then, just some depends. people I think misconstrue what introvert actually means. Sometimes people think introvert is just always being in your house, not talking to anyone, being keeping to yourself. Yeah. An introvert just means like, you know, you're comfortable within your own company in some instances. Yeah. Where you can still be that person that can go out and enjoy yourself. But at the same time, you know that you enjoy, you enjoy yourself more. Yeah. And that can be an introvert in its own regard as well. So sometimes, sometimes when people talk about, oh, I'm an introvert, I'm this house hermit, oh, I'm this person that doesn't like to talk to people, <coughs> I find it so anxious. <coughs> yeah, those things are valid, but that, that's not the only isolated de definition of what an introvert yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not an introvert. Like, oh, okay. uh, I'm, I'm definitely not that. Fair enough. But... I'm definitely not necessarily like, I can't explain it, like I'm not shy at all. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily always trying to be in the spotlight. But okay. you know what I mean? Like, if I'm in a room with a bag of people that I don't know, 
I'm going to be up against the wall. Yeah. If I'm in a room with a bag of people that I do know and I'm confident, I'll be breakdancing in the middle. Mm. And that's not because I want attention, but that's what I'd be doing if I was by myself. Yeah. So if I'm doing it in front of you, it just means I'm hella comfortable. Do you get what I'm saying? I get you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll be in my room for an hour, I'll be listening to Cardi B, this one, that one, just shocking it out by myself. Mm. So if I'm doing that in front of you, it means I'm comfortable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if I'm not comfortable, then that's no, that's no slight on you. It's just me, like, I'm just going to take it easy. Like, I don't feel in a space. I, my equilibrium ain't really right for me to just be yeah. myself out and out right now. So yeah. I'm just going to chill. Mm. And that's, that's literally all it is. And some days you're tired. That's it. Some days you're tired. Sometimes you just want to stay home. You just want to watch Netflix. It's, it's just, like it's just as simple as that. It's be like that so yeah, like, but I love people. Like I love people. I love a chat. Hence why I'm here. Like I love talking to people. I love laughing. Like it's just like it's like the weather in it just changes. Yeah. There's only so there's only so many different types you can have, but it changes, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, one that day, variety. yeah. I think sometimes that's the one thing that has been my biggest frustration when it comes to. All aspects in terms of how people judge people, they expect you to be this kind of this binary person. Yeah. Where um, you're either one or the other. You can't be this dynamic spectrum, where you can't be this this person who can be a bag of things. Like you can be social, you can be quiet, you can be the life of the party, you can be the reserved one, you can have problematic views as well as being a reasonable person. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody wants you to be kind of fixed in this kind yes, of ideology. One thing. Like it would be like when I would do something like that people deemed out of character, it would be like, oh, the, the popularity has gone to a head or it's that new weave. And I'm just like, you people, <coughs> you, you people are mad. <laughs> like, seriously, like it can't movie, just be bro. like, it can't just be like, oh, she was an idiot that time. Yeah. It's a whole, wow. Mm. Oh, my God. I can't believe you would do such. Yeah. No, I feel you. I do you know what I mean? So, yeah, but no, back chat was, back chat was very interesting. But yeah, like I said, it's a learning curve, biggest learning curve. And I only feel like I'm kind of like getting to like, you know, where it goes even again, where you find your, you You find find your your balance. You find your balance, yeah. What was the most like problematic thing that just could, just didn't sit right with you while you was on there? Like, what on the 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 show? show? Like there was probably like a view that came from a particular person or a topic that just really rivaled you that just didn't. You just, just still to this day. episode that I recorded. And it's not even still to this day, but just in that moment, like the frustration that you saw was so genuine. The last episode about homosexuality. Ah, right. I was pissed. I went home, I wrote a long ass blog post. I was pissed because for for multiple reasons. One, because I think I was coming to the end of like my run on the show. Mm. And I knew that, so my tolerance, tolerance was a bit lower. Okay. Secondly, I think it's a subject where as I've got older, there's certain things where I'm like, I actually can't believe. I don't care what your orient. I don't care what your. I don't care what your religious beliefs are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care about any of that. I don't care what you believe. I don't even care if you share your opinion, mm-hmm. but you do not impose it on other people. Yeah, no, and I, I felt like that was happening a bit in the episode. And it was like, why have I put myself in this room to no, be definitely. dealing with this kind of thing? It was almost like I was frustrated because it was self-inflicted. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but. In saying that, obviously, people saw me going at it with Max. I genuinely, like, I know people like, Max is this, Max is that. I love Max to death. That guy is the way that he is. He has his ways, but he is so sincere and he is so genuine. And as much as, and you know what? He pissed me off. You see the way we was like this that, mm-hmm. during the episode? As soon as the camera stopped rolling, we were cool. Like, we was talking about it on a level. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it wasn't, 
But in that moment, it's so intense. You have 10 people sharing their opinions on such controversial matters. And you sit there and you tell yourself, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to be bothered. And for a little while, that did happen, especially in the second season. Like, I wasn't really sharing as much. I was kind of just taking ease and I was like, I'm mm. not going to get involved. But after that episode, when I saw how angry I got, I was like, you know what? I've loved it, but it's to a point now where it's getting to me too much. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm done now because it's actually irritating me too much. So I think I'm done. So like knowing that you can be cool with these people and otherwise um, elsewhere and knowing that like off camera, they, they seem to be a different person than yeah. anything else. Like, how do you deal with that? Knowing that they're kind of like, doesn't it feel like they're playing up for the camera? No. This is the thing, people be like, are oh, they playing up for the camera? And I don't think it's a conscious, right, in front of the camera, got to put on this persona now. Yeah. But when you're in that room, subconsciously, you're aware that 500,000 people are going to watch this. That's a lot Numbers, of fucking yeah. people. Yeah, that's a lot of numbers. That's a lot of blood clot people. <laughs> and not only that, you're in the room, you're talking about something controversial. Mm. You're having to defend your points. And you, you'll know very well that when this is done, you're going to have to defend it some more. The confrontation just doesn't start and end in the kitchen. Once that is aired, it starts all, it starts all over it starts again. again yeah. You relive it all over again. And naturally, like, for example, when we was doing it before it was put out, mm -hmm. everyone was doing their thing. I remember when we recorded after the first episode came out and we saw the numbers, the producer was like, nah, nah, nah. You lot are not doing what you was doing before because you know people are watching it kind of thing. You lot have... You have toned it down. You need to bring it back. That's why it got so many views, because it was raw. So it went from raw, shit, everyone's watching. Let me figure out what I want to do now. Let me figure out how I want to be seen now. To, okay, this is how I want to be seen. Let me heighten it. Do you know what I mean? Let me establish mm. myself as this person. And it's not that that's not true to who they are, but that, that aspect of them is so concentrated, it seems too much. Yeah. Where those traits are genuine, but in that room, it's magnified, it's heightened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no one in that room that I would say is like, you know, fake or whatever. But that's just such a specific aspect. And it's such a controversial aspect that when you see it, it seems so much more significant than maybe it is. Like, for example, Esther. Mm. I see the, when I watch the episodes, I get it. Like, I 100% see what other people see. Esther has such a good heart. Like, honestly. Mm. Like, as much as she's a bit mad, she can get a bit heated and a bit turned up. Like, she's a good woman and she, she works hard. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you she's know what I mean? She's a hard worker. Yeah. She's a good woman. She has a kind heart. Outside of that room, majority of people don't, when, we, like, when we're face-to-face and having conversations, like, shit comes up. Mm. But when we're having similar conversations, we'll, we'll continue our conversations off camera. The conversations don't look like that. They don't look like what they are on camera. It's really weird. I wish I could explain it, but it's not the same. No, like, I get it. The I get conversations it. that you see Lucas having, Yeah. I've never had a conversation or seen Lucas had a conversation outside of that room where he's like that. But obviously in the room, it's intense. You've got an hour. We know it's timed. We're all trying to get our opinion across. We all know we have to let other people speak. But then when other people speak, you want to get your word in. Do you know what I mean? It's different. Whereas when you're having a natural conversation, you're not really concerned. You're going to let them talk for as long as they want to talk. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you've got time. Yeah. But in that room, you've got an hour and everyone needs to get a two pence in. At the end of the day, as much as it's a show and we're being ourselves, we want to eat off the back of it. So everyone's got to do what they've got to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think sometimes that's the point that gets missed sometimes, in the sense that as much as this is a show, everyone's trying to... Everyone wants someone to be, quote-unquote, authentic and original and themselves, and they think that everyone should... Like, if everyone was in that position, they wouldn't play out for the camera. Yeah. But naturally, you do. 
You know, it's not even. I swear to God, as much as it may be playing up, it's not. It's not no, conscious. It's not. It's not as calculated. Yeah, it's People think it's very calculated, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. not. Don't get me wrong. There's something in your subconscious that wires when you're in front of the camera, mm. but you're not necessarily standing there with a strategy. No, of course. But then, how much do you think from what is recorded raw? To how the producers and the editors chop Editing it up. Editing is a motherfucker. <laughs> and Andy is a bastard. And I hope he hears this, from. Seriously, he's a wizard, man. Like, I remember one trailer, that trailer about rape. He edited what I said and everyone was going at me. You're disgusting. Afterwards, everyone was like, oh, my bad. Like, you know, the trailer looked a bit mad. I was like, mm -hmm, I told you. But yeah, like the way he edited it was mad. Like, it was mad. It was mad, and I understand what every. I, don't get me wrong, I understood what any, everyone perceived it like that. And the thing is, especially with the viewers as well, they'll watch a 30 second trailer and they won't say to themselves, Raw, that looks mad. Let me wait to see what that was about. It's Raw, that looks mad, fucking bitch. I swear yeah, I want to yeah, burn yeah. out. Like, it's mad. Like, they go from zero to 100 really quick. Mm. And they don't really, they don't really think about the fact that okay, cool, this is probably way out of context. Yeah, no, Do you know what I mean? So it gets a bit, it gets a bit, gets a bit tight. No, I, th I think for me sometimes it's a case where, when I look at the editing of it and I look at the formula, <coughs> the formula v reminds me very much of the kind of traits you'd see in like love and hip hop. Mm. The traits you'll see in a lot of these reality TV shows, and I think. <laughs> Um, Andy's sister, I think he went Bruno, to my knowledge, or well, I might be mistaken. Which one, Diana? Um, no, Andy went to Bruno, right? I think one of them went to Bruno, one of the producers went to Bruno. <coughs> but um, <coughs> knowing his history in terms of doing like film and TV studies and this, like, you can see that this was a very calculated Andy decision. knows what he's doing, yeah. he's sick, he knows what he's doing. And seeing all those kind of formulas come into play, me watching it from the very little I've watched it, if I'm brutally honest, because I just can't get into it. And seeing what I've seen, you can see that this is done with a very strong intention to be provocative. Yeah, 100%. And touching on Samuel's point I made earlier in terms of like, it could be a good platform to talk about very important issues. Is there anything that you wish was discussed on there as the platform it is? Or do you think like, this is what people want to hear and this is what they're going to get? Or do you think that this could be an opportunity to like bring more quote-unquote topics that impact the community or the culture or... It could have gone either way. I don't really feel like one is necessarily more... Um, I don't feel one is necessarily better than the other. Mm. And it really does. And at the end of the day, as much as people want to talk about, you know, back chat should talk about this, back chat should be more serious, da 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 da, da. The viewers dictate to a degree what we're putting out. Mm. Because the views that this last episode has, has been mad. Mm. Because this, this, this season has been relatively, like, civil. Everyone, people that have had issues in the past, they're getting along. I mean, I haven't watched it, but obviously I still chat to people and I'm, like, I can see the dynamic. There's still a support in the, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. So, and then obviously all this Wahala started and... Because since this season, for me, for the people I follow, <coughs> I have a few people that I follow who are really supportive of Backchat, like, have been from the beginning and it's like... They're prop. They prop up. They're so just, just so supportive. They genuinely like are invested in the show and want to see its progression and see it do well. And like, but bar those few people, I haven't really seen people talking about Backchat the way that they used to before. This week, even me, <laughs> everyone was chatting about Backchat. <laughs> even me, I said, yeah, you know what? Yeah, the game is the game, bro. Like, seriously, everyone was talking about Backchat again. So obviously, you not like the Wahala. And then when you do talk about someone serious, it's like, you're not qualified. Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> let's, just, let's just sit and blink at the camera for an hour. 
Do you know? And you know what? You're never gonna. And the point is, you're never gonna please everyone. And that applies to everything in life, which I've learned. Back yeah. to has really taught me that lesson. Like, you're never going to please everyone. You never. Is that a conflict that you faced where you tried to please everyone, or you just always? It's not so much that I tried to please everyone as much as I don't like offending people. Some people don't give a shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's not that I do things in order to try and please everyone. But when I do offend people, it does leave me kind of. It leaves me feeling a proper way. But I'm mm. working through that. How did you feel about the whole feminist part? Um, because there was a lot of criticism of you in terms of the whole feminist topic and how you were considered a feminist or not by some quarters of people. How did you take that? Because I think that sometimes plays to something that is very personal to you, being a woman. Um, for me, like for me, the whole feminist thing, I never really considered femini feminism, just period. Like It's not something that... I had really had much conversations about. It's not something that anyone around me had ever kind of um, mentioned. Like, mm. it's not like I was told by I don't know relatives, like older, like older people. Like, it's just it's just not a conversation or a dialogue that I'd ever had. Mm. So in my head, a feminist was something very specific. Yeah, it wasn't this. If you support women's rights, you're a feminist. Like, I wasn't a feminist to me. Was it stereotypical? Or something? A feminist to me was one an activist. Okay. You know, you have like you know how you would refer to someone as like. Um, a philanthropist. Yeah. That's someone who actively goes out and gives to charity. It's not mm. someone who believes that all oh, children in Africa should have clean water. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not a philanthropist. Yeah, yeah. You believe in philanthropy to help those people. But yeah. do you know what I mean? To me, that's what it was. You're not an, you're an activist. You're out on the front lines. You actively work to make change in that specific area and your efforts are targeted mm. to that specific area. And to me, that's what a feminist was. And also in this social media age, that feminism, I never really seen it spoken about much other than on social media. And in my head, the feminism that I saw, I was like, oh, well, I'm not really like, that's, that I don't really concern myself with those kind of aspects. I'm not, I'm not a feminist, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the hair and stuff. And the, there's just a lot of stuff that was going on. And I was just like, to me, they're a, to me, that's a feminist. You're a feminist. I, I don't do that. I'm not a feminist. Like, I literally just... I wasn't a feminist. Yeah. And the thing is, the reason why that was a bit mad, though, is because I actually didn't say anything even remotely derogatory about feminism. I literally said, I don't identify as a feminist, and it came in thick and fast. And then when I tried to explain, it. Yeah. It, I was just digging a hole, and I was like, you know what, let me just leave it alone, because yeah. I'm obviously getting misconstrued here. And I remember I'd done a podcast with these girls from America, and they were speaking about it and stuff, and I was like, I, and, and you just speak, it's a dialogue that I had more after that, and yeah, I spoke yeah. about it, because it weighed, weighed on me heavy a lot, because I was thinking... What is like wild going for this backlash? Like I don't understand. Yeah. And you come to terms with it, and you're like, all right, cool, yeah, I'm a feminist. Say like, man, they don't know. You get me, like shit. <laughs> and it is what it is. But like, if if by definition that's what it is, then cool, yeah, I'm a feminist. Like, I never was like actively rejecting it because I thought you feminism. Like for me, it was just kind of like from what I knew feminism was. I wasn't a feminist. Mm. And another reason as well, which really was for me, people would be like, you know, you're a feminist. And in my head, I'm like, but. You'll be, you know, you'll sit alongside your white counterparts. You'll go on these things with these white women and they're feminists, but then they look at you and you're kind of like, but, but they're still racist. Mm. So in my head, I was like, feminist ain't really, feminist ain't really, I don't really feel like feminism, like feminism should naturally bring all women together, regardless of that stuff. But I didn't feel like it did. And then obviously you find out, oh, black feminism is like a whole nother thing. Intersectionality. Yeah, intersectionality. Yeah. And in my head, yeah. like that's stuff that I had never delved into. Mm before, do you know what I mean? So to be honest, like, and as much as like, I'm like, shit, like that was a lot. I don't know, I don't know how else I would have found myself to be educated on that had it not happened like that. I don't know for what other avenue okay. I would have had those discussions. Yeah. Um, 
and you live and you learn, do you know what I mean? It is what it is. And I still, to this day, don't go around screaming from the rooftops, I'm a feminist, like, yeah. it's not, I'm a, by the end of the day, like, by definition, that's what I am, do you get yeah, me? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. not even a thing that I'm trying to reject. But it's not like I'm going to now be going, like, feminism, like, oh, my God, like, that's me, like, tattoo on, like, my underboob or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's not that. But at the end of the day, now I know. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's just what it is sometimes. And it's, it shows a great sense of maturity to say that, you know what, like, from a very volatile situation, you was able to learn something from it. Some people use that as a way to kind of validate how they feel not to be for it. <coughs> <clears throat> like even with the whole feminism thing and I think with many ideologies like sometimes people subscribe to this kind of like consensual idea of what an ideology is mm -hmm. now granted there is an academic you know understanding of what feminism is or any other ism do you know what I'm saying but at the same time how you apply it to your personal life so for example with myself there's whole this you know talk about like patriarchy and yeah. this that the other and as soon as, like, nowadays, I think, like, where we're kind of getting into that kind of thought crisis, as I like to call it, is that when a man does say something that is problematic, in the same sense that you went through this kind of period of, I said I'm not, like, I don't identify as a feminist, and you then end up getting this backlash. If a man says something that he's not somewhat been privy to or kind of trying, just kind of says a thought, and he's very much still open-minded to, you know, learn otherwise... As soon as he says that problematic thought, that's it. He's being chastised. Yeah. You're a misogynistic pig. That's you patriarchal bastard, this, that, and the other. And it's like, yo, like, don't come at me with this bad mind energy because my tongue is sharp. And if my tongue is sharp, trust me, there's destruction at the tip of this tongue. So yeah. if you want to give it to me that way, I can throw it right back. And I think sometimes we've lost that, that room for reasonability. Oh, 100%. Where now it's like extremity and extremity where... We don't have that space now I to actually I always scream about stuff. people finding the happy medium. Like, there's always a happy medium. Can we just try and find it? And I, I think that, that happy medium shouldn't even be a... Pa like, sometimes when people think the happy medium is like a passive medium. Where, yeah, like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes if you do have a problematic thought and it's with someone who is of that um, realm. So, for example, an example that I always refer to is... Um, I, wasn't, I would say that at some point in my life I was homophobic. You know... I didn't understand, or there were, I had thoughts, I had opinions about homosexuality, which weren't, if I look at it in retrospect, weren't the most healthy. I reckon the majority of heterosexual people. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it only was for me until were. I had a colleague of mine who was gay. and But he was very, like, forthcoming. I remember the first shift I had with him, he was like, by the way, I'm gay. And I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this information? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he was open enough for me to go, you know what? was having a lot of conversations on that shift and he was open enough on a personal space to say, for, him, for me to say, how, when did you discover, you know, your sexuality or what was it like being younger and having people not accept your sexuality and things like that. Me just kind of probing and asking questions and he was very allowing of me to say things that another person may be very sensitive about. But from that, I was able to get a lot of his truth, but I was able to get a, a much more healthy understanding of what it was. And you could say that homosexuality is not something you need to understand, you just accept it. Yeah. It is what it is. And I was like, that's a fair point as well. However, when you've grown up in an environment where all you've been told is something is wrong, the only time you're going to know if it's acceptable and right is if you have a conversation about it. Yeah. Or if you're put in an environment where you are able to have that dialogue. In the same way, you're a teacher <coughs> at school. If a student got something wrong and you reprimanded him, 
he's going to be like, oh, crap, I'm not going to say something again because yeah. if I say something again, she's just going to shout at me. And sometimes I think that's the kind of crisis we're in right now. Some people say stupid things, don't get me wrong. Some people just are bone idle and dumb. But the fact we haven't kind of left that space for dialogue, we haven't left the space for problematic you know what it thoughts. Is? It's because bring. everyone tries to have these conversations on the internet. Yeah. There's plenty of places you can go and have these conversations, but everyone is helping on fucking having them on Twitter. That's why. I think that's what it boils down to. That's time, really what it is. Yeah. And that's why I've stopped doing that. <coughs> I've stopped. I used to be in all that. And I was like, this is long. But then this I think sometimes, long. like, I think even Twitter in itself, I've learned a lot from Twitter. Not going to lie to you, yeah. I've learned a lot from it. I ain't, man, I ain't learned that much from Twitter. You, you don't think you have? I've learned nah. a lot. I think. Nah. I don't take in the sense what everybody says is factual, but. I've gained a wider perspective from yeah, Twitter. Yeah. It's still learning nonetheless. Because you're never going to be exposed to that many people. But at the instance. same time, I feel like what Twitter has made me do is be more introspective. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. And in that Definitely. sense, I've learned more. Definitely. Learning yourself is a very important aspect in its own right of learning other people. I think for me, it was... If you think about it, say, for example, you're following 600 people. Right? <coughs> say, for argument's sake, 20% of those are active on the timeline at any given moment, right? Yeah. So that's like, what, 120 people. That's 120... Quick maths. Pe- quick maths, real quick maths. 120 people every second, every minute that you're seeing their personality, their thoughts, their opinions Bruh, listen, in one instance. I need to tell you something right now. There was a point where I was like, I need to get a grip. It was fucking with me. Like... Knowing what everyone is thinking all the time is mad, you know. Very mad. Because imagine you could have read people's mind. That's slightly a little bit what it's like. Uh-huh. Obviously, you're not knowing their truest, deepest thoughts. But I would spend so much time on Twitter and my spirit was just in the next place. Mm-hmm. It was just in the next place. And I was just like, I need to do something because you don't even realise. Because everyone else is on Twitter, you feel like it's calm. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're on Twitter chatting to yourself. Everyone's on Twitter, and you're on Twitter, so it's calm. This is what you're doing, it. You, you be on Twitter. And I, and I had to be like, do you know what? Be honest with yourself. Some people are good. I'm not built for that. I don't do well with confrontation. I don't like being in sticky situations. Like, I yeah. don't like that. Like, like I, I, I don't mind getting passionate about shit. I don't mind getting heated. But the minute I feel like I've really offended someone or someone has misinterpreted what I've said, it stresses me out. And I was like, that's not the place for you to be yeah. doing it anymore. And I had to really like be real with myself and be like, listen, as much as it would have been nice for you to be able to share your opinions, especially because you, you're so well received and like, you know, you have a bit of influence. I was like, that's not the place for you. Literally knowing what, like you said, 120 people all day, every day. It's mad. It's very mad. And because and social media is so like, natural now. Exactly. Yeah. And because social media is just such a part of our daily life, like it's such an integral part of our lives now, we don't realise how mad it is. Like, I don't think we realise how mad it is. And that's what it comes down to. And I think particularly in terms of like, you know, within our generation, I'll put our generation into like a f- five-year bracket. Yeah. So five years from our age and yeah, yeah, yeah. around that age, right? So we're the median, two, three years behind us, two, three years above us, right? We're the first generation that went from the transition. We had the biggest transition yeah. with that stuff because we went from non-social media. VCR yeah. and having to rewind your tape when you can watch it go backwards to literally being able to put whatever you want on the internet HD in a second. That's it. And not only that, just even the access to people. Other people, yeah. Where most times out of 10, like nowadays when I look at situations, I'm like, 
before my my reality was based around the people I had in my proximity. was immediately in front of you, yeah. Like family, friends, strangers, colleagues. That was my proximity of who I could base my reality around. Yeah. Now I could know someone what someone in Brixton is doing or what the, the South London mentality is like. Before, like me being a North Londoner, the South London mentality was a, a myth, a fable. It was like you know folklore, like you yeah. know unless you went south a lot. You just kind of spoke of it in like, as if it was an urban myth. <coughs> now you really know what a South London man is thinking or a South London girl is thinking, unless you link South London girls, which I'm not going to go into because that's just a whole lot of madness. <laughs> but like, now it's like you're opened up to so many different perspectives, so many different people at one instance. And it's like, sometimes I'll catch myself on the train in the morning. I'm looking at myself and I'm like, why am I reading this? Yeah. And I'm like, but at the same time for me, Twitter's become a great medium for me to just sh share that unprocessed thought about myself, mm. which is less so indicative of the topic at hand. But I just saying, for example, I'm thinking about something. Let me just kind of get that kick out of sharing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people back in the day, everyone used used a diary. Nowadays, people use Twitter. Some people should still keep a diary. Still. Do you know what I mean? Tell Twitter too much. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like even then, it's like. Now we've just kind of shifted the medium in which we speak on. Yeah. But we're still sharing. But I think now we've got into a space now where because we're so consumed by people that we don't even know, like you can build online friendships. Yeah, 100%. Do you know what I mean? I have people that I've met online, like granted, like a small number, that I really genuinely care about their well-being. Yeah. And it's like you, they've seen your growth in a weird yeah, way. Yeah. Like there's people that I followed like five, six, seven years. And I'm like, rah, I remember when you started university. Yeah. And now you're doing this, you're flourishing in this job right now. And it's Social like, media really is a gift and a curse, isn't it? It literally is. And it's like, but then I think it's how you harness it. I feel like you've heard my voice deteriorate throughout this podcast. It's all right. Sip up and just Sip hydrate up your wine, you know. Hydrate your voice. Hydrate your voice. But in the same instance, your usage of social media has given you a great following. And now you've been able to leverage that following. And it's amazing because it wasn't even intentional. So I think to myself, what would I do if I was more intentional with my decisions and my choices and how I used it and hindsight what I posted? Do you know so what I mean? Hindsight is twenty twenty. So you're always going to have that thought about I could have done something, something yeah. better. But with the following you have and in terms of the quote-unquote influence you have, what have you kind of... What did you want to do with it and what have you done with it? So in when it started, like... There was a lot of stuff that I knew that I was decent at, but I never thought I could do like my writing and public speaking as well. Mm -hmm. But as I've done those, I've realised that, okay, as much as this is good, I need to be in a different position separate from that so that this I can do when and as I want. Mm -hmm. Because the pressure of having to do it consistently all the time was yeah. what I was like, I'm not really on that. Mm -hmm. So I need to figure out what I'm going to do to put myself in a position where I can do this as and when I please. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to this being what I depend on. Yeah, I don't mind sharing my opinion, but I don't want me sharing my opinion to be my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. I don't want me sharing my opinion to be how I get my money, to be how I stay relevant. Do you know what I mean? And with in, and in doing that, and also teaching as well, that's what pushed me to start doing my music again. Because I was like, music is an outlet. I can do what I enjoy. I can do what is so fun. I can maintain that influence. But... 
the spotlight isn't on me and my thoughts and what I'm thinking. Mm. It's on something else. Mm -hmm. And because of that something else, for me, it's a lot bigger than the music. Yeah. For me, the, the success that I envision is way, you know, you get some people, it's all about the music, man. It's all about the art. It's all about the craft. I'm not going to lie. It's not all about the art and the craft to me. I can't even lie. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it's that, it's, it's being able to use that medium to do more, to make a bigger difference, to give a, to, to give a greater contribution. Okay, so for that's me, why I love. That's why not even necessarily a stepping stone because it's not like I want to do music and then bounce. Yeah, music is an integral part of me. Like I've never enjoyed doing anything, and I don't think I'm naturally as good at as as much as I am at music. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's not where it ends. Mm -hmm. Is what I'm saying. That's not the end goal. The end goal isn't to isn't to sell records or whatever or to make money for music. That's not the end goal. That's an integral part. That's almost like the core, but that's not the end goal. Like I wanna I wanna use that to be able to reach people in other ways and to do other things. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I have so many ideas and I think to myself, if I could get my foot in the door and if I could establish myself musically, I'd be able to do something I love. I'd be able to enjoy my art and help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's where I'm at now. Like, let me do this, let me do what I love, because at the end of the day, doing what I love is now going to, will then open even more doors. Yeah, so I can not only just do what I love, I can do what's right, do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I can do what's best. So that's where I'm at. I feel you, I think, like, what I get from that is, while music means a lot to you, I think you see yourself as an evolving person. Yeah. Essentially, a lot of people see themselves as an artist only, or they see themselves as a pure music musician. Yeah, a lot of people, and there's like literally, there's like there's nothing even remotely wrong with that. That's yeah. not even what I'm getting at. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But for me, like, I love music, but I love the idea of being able to help people more. Mm -hmm. And I feel like music will allow me to do that ultimately. So your end goal is helping people. My end goal is helping people. My end goal is like being like, okay, cool. Like you know, people are like, yeah, I want to be a legend. Da, 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 da. Me, I don't care if anyone remembers me when I die. I really don't care. That's not my business. So you're not legacy driven? Not in the slightest. Me, I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I really don't. As long as the people that I, I, I need to look after mm. are nice, that's all I care about. Yeah. I really don't care if 20 years after my death, people are, you know, saying my name and having, like, mm. tribute concerts. <laughs> like, I honestly, like, I'm really not bothered at all. Yeah. Like, that's not at all what drives me. And what drives me is what I'm going to do while I'm here. I feel you. I think I have, like, a similar perspective where... I'm similar and different in some ways. I am quite legacy driven. I think that might come from my ego, though. If I'm brutally honest, I'm not gonna lie. Le no shade. Legacy is pure ego. Pure yeah, ego. Yeah, yeah. But me personally, I think like <coughs> that's what it is. And, and again, this is not saying me. There's something wrong with that. I think it's Undeniable. sick if you're legacy driven. Yeah. But for me, that's not what it's about. As yeah. long as the people that I leave behind are good. Yeah. As long but as that's they what can legacy eat. Means to me. As long as yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. That's I think for a lot of people yeah. that is what it means. Yeah, but yeah, let's yeah. not lie. For some people, it means I want people chatting my name. I want my name in people's yeah, yeah, mouth yeah, 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 twenty yeah. years from now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I want to be revered long after I'm gone. For me, it's and like, that's nothing wrong with that. That's just not. That's just not what is my biggest concern. Don't get me wrong. We'll be no, sick. We dope. Yeah. <laughs> you get me. But. Again, I'm not going to be here to know whether or not it happens. So yeah. why am I concerning myself with that while I'm alive? Mm -hmm. No, definitely. I think for me, like, what I mean by what legacy driven is like you refer to, like, what I leave behind for the people that yeah, I love yeah, and yeah, care yeah. about. 100%. And that's what matters to me more. That like, for me, when I think of legacy, it's like, I want to, I look at it generationally. Yeah, I yeah. want to reduce the generational wealth gap as much as I can. I want to be in a case where the next generation I have have a um, 
have an integrity to their name. Like, obviously, Patel's just common surname, but, you know, <laughs> everyone's a fucking Patel, but, you know, it's neither here or there. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm trying to be the Patel. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. And I want that to be done with everything. that I, The way I live my life is that, in a similar sense to you, is that if I'm this kind of vessel that's full of all this energy, I'm trying to pour out as much of me as I can into this world so that when I leave this world, I can say that I've left myself empty. So that yeah, yeah, yeah. this vessel is yeah, now empty. Yeah, you want to be like, yeah, I've given. Everything. I ain't got nothing left now. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm like, good to go. I'm good to go. Like, so I, I mean, can I can leave now. And yeah, that's how yeah, I kind of yeah. like, even like, to get on like on a more personal note, like, that's what how I see my grandmother. My grandmother is that kind of person where she's like 92 now and she's kind of got ill health. And she's just ready to go. Yeah. She's just like, you know what? I just want to go upstairs. Yeah. And she's literally lived, when I do, I've known, like, I've always known her as being old. Yeah. But her life is so rich in a sense where everything she's done, she's left out in this world. Yeah. Her kids, her grandkids, land, everything. It's like, I've done everything within my capacity in my, my 92 years of living that I've got such a peace and acceptance of now going. And it's an irksome space to kind of hear coming from someone that you reverence so much. But I kind of relate to that in a in a in a perspective kind of way of saying that I want to be in that kind of same space if I do ever reach 92 where I can wholly accept and say, do you know what, I'm ready to go. Because everything that I've done in this world, I've done. Yeah. And that's from experiences to rearing children, to raising children, to seeing grandchildren, God willing, everything, love, everything in between. But that's what I mean by legacy to me. When I look that's at- why I teach, because it's like... Like I was saying before, like I really believe it's about what comes after me. Mm. Like what's been done is done. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't come, I can't concern myself with what's already happened, and I can't concern myself too tough with the mindsets people before me mm. have, because at the end of the day, that's their business. What I can do is make sure that, especially in terms of teaching, the children that I meet and the teaching, the children that I come into contact with, and the children who's mm. at the end of the day, as a teacher, you have a very significant role. In the in in undeniably in their lives, period. Do you know what I mean? And for me, that's what what you're saying about legacy. Mm. That for me is what that's me leaving. That's me. You know, like when you know, like when you're playing Mario Kart, mm-hmm. and then like you drop the little things behind you. Yeah. For me, that's like me. That's me. And like, okay, cool. Obviously, I'm not trying to trip them up well, and like blow them up or make <laughs> them slip on the banana. <laughs> let's let's imagine. Let's imagine it's like. Let's imagine you're dropping it's them gold, golden gold coins. coins. Golden coins. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Like, yeah, I got you, and I'm leaving them golden coins. Yeah. That's how I see it. Do you get what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to slow myself down. I'm trying to get to where I'm going, yeah, yeah. but I want to leave as much as you can, as much as I can. Yeah. Now, touching on teaching now, being in the system itself, like I've got my own opinions in terms of like the education system. I feel like it's broken. I feel like teachers are undervalued. I think even. When I went back to India a few years ago and I saw how teachers are valued and seen and I contrast it to how teachers are valued and seen here, it's like, it's a whole new world. Where, for example, I've got cousins and, like, you know, family in India where a teacher is seen second to second to your parents or, like, even above your parents. Like, going against your teacher is like going against your parents. Yeah. Where here... <coughs> it's a completely different ideology and a completely different um, mentality. Now, being within the system of education, 
being a teacher and a primary school teacher at that, what are your kind of, what have you learned from being within the kind of quote unquote British system and what are your gripes with it? I feel like we're in a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. So you have shit teachers mm -hmm. that are underpaid. Mm -hmm. So they have no incentive to get better and they continue to be shit. So people don't think they should be paid more. Yeah. So they're shit. So they don't get paid. Do you know what I mean? Like it goes around like that. I feel like it's a vicious cycle. And I feel like since I've started teaching, what I've learned is that one, people underestimate how many fucking children there are to teach. It's like 30 plus Children, nine. children, not even just like, I'm not even talking in like a class. I'm talking about like in the country. Like just how many, like every single child has to go to school. Mm. Do you get that? Every single child that is born ends up in a school somewhere. Do you get what I'm saying? So every person currently now under 18 is in education. Yeah. At least. Obviously not literally because it's really good. But ultimately, they should if be. we're thinking about actual numbers, that's a colossal amount. Mm. And as much as the system is broken, when you have to teach that many children, there are limitations whether you like it or not. Yeah. So that's one thing I've come to appreciate being in the system is that there's so many children to teach it means that in and of itself is going to be a major limitation. And we can only do so much. So that's, that's something that I've come to appreciate. We're probably, oh, it's bare shit, but it's fucking hard. It's so hard because when I'm in a class of 30 and I have an hour to teach them how the circularity system works, if I had hair, I'd be damn near pulling it out. <laughs> and sometimes I even try. <laughs> like, it's that deep. Like, And also, you're in a class with children of different abilities. There's a girl in my class and... Her comprehension is just bad, not even in terms of English, just generally, like, she can't comprehend things. You'll be going through her work with her, you'll ask her a question, she'll go to write it down, and you'll say, no, no, I'm asking you, kind of thing. Like, her comprehension mm. is really bad. And the other day we was in science, and she'd done a poster, and we was talking about um, medication, how to take medication properly, and what happens if you don't take it properly. Okay. She had one of the best posters in the class, and I was like, rah. Because her comprehension is so bad. But for whatever reason, obviously, putting this down in the paper in this way, obviously worked for her. She had the capsule, she drew it, her information, like, it was good. And I was, and it made me think, cause this girl, she frustrates me and it's really bad because she tries so hard. She's not lazy. Yeah. She listens, she's not misbehaved. For whatever reason, her comprehension skills are just not that great. Mm. And I find myself talking to her and I find myself having to pause and be like, I remind myself, she's trying. It's actually not her fault. But it's hard because you have someone like that in the class and then you have, there's, a, there's another boy in my class, I swear this boy's good at everything. Like he's good at everything. Mm. Sports, maths, English, art, philosophy. Like he's just good at everything. And you have to cater to them both. And it's like, luckily with the, with like the, guy, the boy that's higher, you can kind of give them work and they get on with it. And then you have those kids in between and you find yourself in the middle of a lesson, darting around to each table, this one, is not, is not, it's not that they, they don't get it. They're always distracted, always talking. Yeah. This one's staring out the window. This one doesn't get it, it's too shy to ask. This mm. one doesn't get it, but they're trying their hardest. They just do, they end up doing the whole sheet wrong. And you're just, you're going around the class and you're just like, okay, right. And you have to stop them, you have to explain it all again. Mm. Like it's a process, it's a process. And I don't really feel like you ever stop learning to be a teacher, mm -hmm. ever. Every single class you have is gonna be different mm. and so for, for, for my main thing is my appreciation for the system that we have here is definitely more. My biggest gripe is the culture around teachers. 
Or what people think of teachers? What people think of teachers. Okay. The, edu- the culture in this country is generally that being a teacher isn't really an aspiration for many people. Mm. Lots of people find themselves falling into that job. Yeah. <coughs> Lots of people find themselves wanting to do the job. They love the job. They get into the job and they feel like my efforts and my investment is not... I'm not getting a return. Yeah, I remember, so they don't do it. I remember reading that like the turnover rate for teachers as a reason is like is almost a teacher drops out almost every eighteen months. Or like one in six teachers leave. No teachers stay for months. longer than three years at the moment. The turnover is three years. Wow. And like even wow. me, I haven't finished my PGC and I'm like, I really hope I really hope my music is doing whatever and I don't have to go back in September. And I love being in the classroom. Mm. But if I was a teacher, I, like, if, if, and, if I, and if I do remain a teacher, I'm not doing it in this country, I'm moving away. Like, I'm literally not staying here. I'm moving to another country. I don't blame you, and I think... I'm not doing it here. The talent drain for teaching as well in this country is mad. And the fact that the PGCE that you do here... PGCs are shit also, by the way. But saying that, internationally, they hold a lot of value. Not in terms of the actual qualification, the actual training. Yeah. The contents of a PGCE mm. is rubbish. Okay. It's crap. They have taken what should be a three-year course yeah. and they have squeezed it into nine months because they need teachers. This is another thing that pisses me off. The less they have to train you, the less they have to pay you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If I was investing tens of thousands, done this for three years and came out with, I don't know, a master's at the end, you have to pay me more because of my qualification. Mm. I'd be, I'd, I'm qualified, you have to pay me more. Mm. They will never do that because they're not going to pay, pay us more. Mm. The better they train us, the more they have to pay us. They're not going to do that. So they're going to continue to train us shit to justify the shit pay. So it's rigged, basically. 100%. And also, I was saying this the other day, traditionally, like public schools, the schools that I found myself teaching in, they were created so that people could go out and be workers, so that they could give them enough skill to adequately complete industrial work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The basic low labour, the basic, the most basic low labour, um, the most basic jobs are, are labourer jobs. I think that that's one of like my main gripes with the education kind of structure. I feel like it's not really, it's not really like catered towards a modern day way At of all. learning for kids. Because I feel like, I feel like, how can, your, how can your school system still be the same as it was yeah. 50, 40, 50 years ago? Times have changed now, technology's improved. There's, there's things that kids know about <coughs> that were not around back then. Yeah. So, like, how can it still be the same? And it's like, because of that, because back in the day, 40, 50,000 years ago, kids would leave school at 15 and go and work. Our system is very outdated. They'd leave 16 and go and work. So what happens now is, the reason why money isn't invested into these systems is because the demographic that we serve are the people that don't make that much money other people that aren't considered to go on and prosper and excel. And so the people that are able to do that can afford to do it without the support of schools. They don't need the schools. They can give their children all the ex- extracurricular support they need. They can get the sh- tutors. They can send them to private schools. Now, if the elite ever had to depend solely on public schools, the government would spend more money on them. Yeah. Why do you think the schools in the rich areas are better? Because the government gives them more money. Yeah, of course. Like, it's a money's game anyway. We, teachers are not paid according to the difficulty or the level of skill required to do their job. They're paid according to the demographic that they serve. Mm. We serve regular, schmegular 
people, we're not going to get paid. They mm. don't care about us. Mm. It's that simple. I'm not, being, I'm not even trying to be melodramatic or, oh, they don't care no, about no, no, us. No, it no. just is what it is. It's you know what I mean? because I was having a lot of conversations with teachers, even when I wanted to get a teacher at one point, where um, I think I was like 21 at the time, and I was going through my own like, flipping career crisis. And there's two points I actually want to touch on on what you said. The first bit in terms of <coughs> myself going into teaching. And I remember speaking to one, a few of my old teachers and they were like, you know what? When we went to teaching, it was a whole different ball game. And he was like, if you do want to enter teaching now, he was like, go live your life. Go experience working for four or five different companies. Build up your life experience. And then when you reach your, like, your mid-30s, if it's something that still compels you to teach... Retraining is easy. Come join us. Hopefully I'm not here. But, you know, then teaching is for you. And for me, it was like, I always I was in a similar premise to you in a sense, like I wanted to give back. I've always been a kind of person that's been good at teaching people how to do something or giving knowledge to others. But then I realised when I actually stepped into a classroom because my teacher was like to me, do you know what? Come lead a few lessons for me in terms of business and otherwise. See how you find it. Don't worry, we'll do it off the books, this, that, and the other. The school don't have to know about it. We just kind of do it, and you can just... Because you're an ex-student, we can kind of get away with it. When I did it, I was in a similar position to you where I wanted to cuss out these little kids. Cuss out, not even these little kids, these teenagers. I wanted to... I wanted to strangle them. But at the same time, I realised that you learn this kind of... I think what teaching teaches you, ironically, is patience. 100%. And... For me, it was like, I don't think I'm prepped for this. And I feel like education is not the only way that you can teach someone. Yeah. And there's all these kind of other ways that you can do things. Like, so say, for example, um, Lillian on the timeline. Yeah. Oh, man, she's amazing. Like, what she does is like, I feel like that has as, as much impact. Well, not as much as an impact. It has but she more. Has, it has, it has more. It has a comparable more. impact as what a teacher has. I'm telling you now, it has more. Those boys, like, obviously it's on the time, it's for everyone to see, but like, what, like, Lillian, yeah? This is so, like, off the topic. Like, we're just fully talking about her, like, she's not even here. Yeah. But, like, I don't think she understands how much what she's doing. Like, I'm, I'm telling her now, like, I'm telling her right now, she is changing these boys' lives. Whether or not... They sustain it forever is a different topic. But, but at this current at this current moment, yeah. she is changing literally, their lives. Literally. literally. She's changing their lives right now at this present mm -hmm. moment. And at the end of the day, as individuals, we can only do so much. Lillian can't Lillian can't do this for them forever, for mm -hmm. the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And they have to do some of it themselves. Mm -hmm. But right now she is literally changing their lives. And unfortunately, she's probably doing it with more children in one go than a teacher ever could. Yeah. In a year, in a class of 30, let's say she takes six, seven boys. I couldn't impact that many boys in one class. And I see them every day for a year. I couldn't impact that many boys in one class. Did I just, you don't have the capacity for it in a classroom. You just don't. It's true. And I think sometimes we all want to give Especially like in, in the ages we're at now, like 25, 26, 27, 28 upwards. And sometimes all it takes is taking two, three kids under your belt, giving them that sustained attention. Outside of your working hours, if you really want to make an impact, like 
For me, Lillian is probably the I'm most... I'm not doing nothing outside my working hours, fam. I'm tired. But well, you, you do this as a nine to five, though. This is what I'm saying. It's different to you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, for say, for example... No, those, no, I'm joking. Yeah, you know yeah, no, like, For you, those yeah. that are, like, kind that of... That don't do this on a daily basis. For those that are, you know, within, like, you know, corporate careers and whatnot. All it really takes is mentoring one or two young people, a cousin... Listen... A, All a I'm saying is, or whatever it may I be. wish black men done this more. I don't think they realise how much they're needed. I don't think they get it. Yeah. I'm not talking about go out and do workshops with 12 kids. Find one child. That's it, one. Let them text you. Let them ask you for your like opinion. Me, like, I've got a mentee. Like Literally. She's like my little sister, but my mentee, the, what, the way I could impact her, like, it's amazing seeing how, just seeing her blossom and seeing how much... I'm able to give to her and that she like she wants to do something business wise. I'm like, cool, I'll make your website for you. Or you know what, I'll teach her to make a website so you never got to ask anyone ever again. Yeah. And teaching her as a young black girl, 18 years old, how to do that, I know that's gonna set pace for her going forward. And for me, it's like all it really takes is like if everyone took one kid under their wing, in even a nominal capacity, like you say, like letting them text you, letting them ask you stupid questions, letting them just or whenever you see something, you bring them in. Like, for example, if we're doing an event, like come through, see what it's like. Yeah. See what it's like to be around big people that aren't, you know, roadmen or like on the streets or whatnot. They're just doing something productive. They don't have big cars and big chains. They don't have all of that and are still perfectly happy. Perfectly happy. And, and perfectly and fulfilled. And just like, that's why I think sometimes we lose perspective in terms of the philanthropy that people want to do. I think sometimes we try to do too much charity that we're capable of in within our means. Yeah. Charity or activism can come with just one person. Yeah. But sometimes we think like we want to impact the most amount of people. Yeah, yeah, in the smallest in the amount most, of time. In the smallest amount of time in the most grandesque of fashions. Yeah. Sometimes it's like you say, as simple as speaking to someone, you know, sending them a YouTube video to, to something that might change their mind, you know, giving them something to read and then asking what they thought about it. That is as simple as it can get in terms of like impacting a young person's life. But it's very refreshing for you to kind of say that, you know, even though you teach a class of 30, that you don't feel that you would impact someone as much as, you know, say, for example, like Lillian taking six boys out of a class. A hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? Like, it... like I was saying, because I used to do a lot of one-to-one when I worked in schools before. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> it was far more targeted. And I remember I started working with this girl. I was only with her for a few months. When she started, she couldn't speak English. She didn't speak English. She used to type on um, translate on Google. She mm-hmm. couldn't speak English. And I remember I left the school, and like a month or so later, she messaged me. She was like, "Miss, thank you so much because of you. Like, I got into college. I'm going early. Like, I'm gonna start before September. I'm gonna start in the summer. Mm. Thank you so much. It's because of you." And I remember I just proper cried because when this girl came, mm-hmm. she was she came from Portugal. Mm-hmm. She was self-harming. She had tried. She had tried to kill herself when she was in Portugal, and I was just like, and she just seemed like she was living a more normal. She was dark skinned She was a big girl, like not even just in terms of weight. Like she didn't look her age. She got bullied a lot, but me and her used to catch the most jokes because, <laughs> like, because obviously, like all the teachers in the school were white and a lot older. So I'm younger. I'm a black girl. Me and her used to bust jokes, and I remember she came, and I remember they used to be like, you know, she's got this wrong over and that wrong over. I remember I sat down, and I was like, listen, I don't know what notes you've got from her doctor in Portugal, but 
what you think is wrong with this girl is not wrong with this girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's witty, she's sarcastic, she's fucking funny, like, I don't know. And it turns out that the mum was saying that she was special needs, she could get more money in Portugal. Okay. So all these years she's been getting treated like a special needs child and there's nothing wrong with her. Literally nothing. Men like mentally, there's nothing wrong with this girl. Academically, she was behind. Mentally, there's nothing wrong with this girl. She was amazing at art. Yeah. She used to give me jokes. She used to give me so much jokes. She was so funny. Like, she, like, that, there was nothing wrong with her. And don't get me wrong, the school were amazing. Like, the teachers that I worked with in the, like, in the, in the inclusion and stuff, they were amazing. It was a really nice school for her. But I just remember thinking, that, that, I, think, I think that after working for her, I was like, yeah, I want to be a teacher. Because if I can do this once a year, mm. do you know what I mean? There's someone's life that's changed. But I don't know, like, only God knows. We'll have to wait and see how if that comes to fruition. And I think sometimes it's not our... We're not necessarily accountable of how it goes into fruition. All we can do is what we can do is impact yeah. the moment itself. And I think sometimes we take too much obligation in terms of other people's sense of autonomy. Yeah. Like, even a young person, as much as you want to guide them, as much as you can, they are their own person. They are. They still have their own free will. You want the best for them, but at the same time, unfortunately, do you know what? Life is life sometimes, and you want to make the greatest amount of change, the greatest amount of people, but, you know, you sometimes you've got to play the averages. Like, the, the girl I was telling you about earlier, I can't remember if it was on, on, on here or not, but she reminds me of myself so oh, much. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. She reminds me of myself so much. And I'm annoyed because I'm leaving this school next week and I'm going mm. back to uni. And I'm annoyed, man. I would I would have loved to stay for her from here because I know, I know, like, I know we have a thing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I know we have a thing. And it bugs me because I'm like, I don't want to leave you. I have to go. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But she gives me jokes. She's so annoying, though. But I love her to death. But, yeah, it's like, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot because you because you don't expect to get attached and you do you always do there's always there's always yeah. there's always one you definitely do and i think another thing that you kind of mentioned which kind of something i've always kind of felt about myself in terms of my own schooling experience is the 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 young boy you mentioned that was kind of good at everything yeah the, the, the self-learner the one that you can just give the work and then you can go focus on the kids that are the the averages and the 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 hard learners. Sometimes I feel like that bracket of the self-learners are kind of neglected. 100%. And I felt that with myself. Like, I was a bright child, you know, not to toot my own horn. Well, to actually toot my own horn. But, you know, I was a smart kid. Yeah. And because of that, a lot of teachers just left me to my own accord and was like, yeah, I'm sure I'll do this. Own devices and... Do you know what I mean? He'll do this with himself. It's all right. You know, we ain't got to worry about it. Man. And sometimes because of that, I had to be self-motivated and I, if I didn't have that within me, I wouldn't have attained the grades that I did because as much as I self-learned, you still need that guidance and support and push. And I think that bracket of people or bracket of kids who are, you know, bright, self-learning, you know, encouraged to learn and whatnot, even if they were just given 5% more time, as much as time is so scarce, or if they were just able to be in a gifted and talented group or something, just something where they could be cultivated greater, within a public school system, you'd get so much talent out of them when they do reach the much more prominent ages of, like, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. But because they're not kind of given that, because teachers, unfortunately, have a scarcity of time within a classroom and of attention, 
A lot of those kids are bright up until a certain age and then they're yeah. like, you know what? Teachers don't really give me no attention. I'll just chat in the back of the classroom and, you know, I'll rely on my natural acumen. Mm-hmm. That was me, 100%. And then get 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 by. But I got by until A-level. This is it. Then it attacked. Honestly, I got by until A-level. For me, like, my natural, my natural ability, like, I was good. Until, I went through a lot of shit in college, but... Yeah. Until then, like, I was nice. And I think, like, I remember... Like, this was time ago. This is in primary school, yeah, but I remember I was sick at netball. Mm. I was team captain and that, and I was good. And I remember my class teacher said that I should go to an actual net, join an actual netball team, mm. national netball team outside of school. She gave me the letter, she referred me, and I never went because she gave the letter to, like, my mum and stuff. And I feel like how she sat down with me and said to me, like, yo, you're really good at netball. You're talented in that boy, you should go mm-hmm. and spoke to me. But she didn't do that. It was kind of like, she should go, here's a letter, make sure she gets there. And I was, I was, uh, I was, um, I, was quite, I don't know if lazy is the right word, but I was very indifferent to things. Yeah. In my head, I'm not thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, yeah, I want to go. Like, I was never that person. Like, oh my God, I'm so good at this. I've got to do my best. In my head, it was always like, oh, it's never going to be me. Yeah. I'm never going to be the one that's going to go to this club yeah. and excel. Yeah. I'm going to go to this club. Everyone's going to be better than me. I don't want to go. I don't want to mm-hmm. do it kind of thing. I just feel like as you took the time to sit down with me and encourage me and infuse me about mm. it, I would have gone. But that didn't happen. Do you know what I mean? I know get me wrong, like I know like teachers try, but I feel like just giving my mum a letter and like packing me off to the club. Unless you're, not everyone is a self star, do you know what I mean? Far from it. And everyone needs encouragement at that And when age. you're fucking ten, I was eleven years old. This is it. <laughs> Like, when you're those ages... When I left primary school and I was going to secondary school, she was like, you know, she should go to this club. And I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the confidence to go. I didn't have the confidence to do it. There were so many things. Like, I remember even being at, like, A-level. And all my teachers in sixth form were like, why don't you apply for Oxford and Cambridge? Why don't you apply? And I was like, it's not for me. You know, I don't feel like I'll fit in. I had all these these misconceptions or, like, these conceptions about what going and applying for Oxford and Cambridge would be like. I was a straight-A student all throughout my life, and my teachers, to some credit, were like, you know, why don't you apply? But even it goes far as our parents, for example, where my mum didn't know what Oxford and Cambridge really meant. Mm. She didn't, like, my mum's never had a active decision in any educational decision I made in my life. I applied for my own secondary school. I filled in the form myself. I swear down. I f- applied for the secondary school myself. What I said was, mum signed here. A-levels, GCSEs. I was like, I'm doing these subjects. My mum's like, cool, whatever. I yeah. trust you, which I, I bless her. She trusted me. A level. She didn't even know what uni I went to until that second year. She just knew it was somewhere in West London. I went Bruno, but yeah, like for my mom, like she didn't really know, and that's that's not her to her fault because she just didn't yeah, really weren't course. educated. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying is that there's always gonna need gonna be that need for someone, be it a mentor, a yeah, family yeah, yeah. friend, a cousin, a friend of a friend, a big brother's friend that just kind of sees a young kid and saying like, yo. You're good at something. You know what? Let me give you my time. Here's my number. Do you know what? Here's my email. Or do you know what? Let me go back to my old school and take one day of my annual leave so I can go do a session with these kids. Yeah. Just so that they can see someone that's been there through them and just give something back. One day of your annual leave to give you that is going to last you a lifetime of just satisfaction. Yeah. Then whatever you're going to do with that annual leave anyway. Yeah, you because saying? you know what you're saying about that, what, like, that's why you need that one person, yeah. wherever they come from. Like, for me, like, 
my parents would, if I told them, mum, I want to do ballet, my mum would take me to ballet classes. Mm. But the second I said, mum, I don't want to do it anymore, it would be like, okay. Mm. No one said to me, no, mm. you started this, so you are absolutely going to finish it. Once I had stopped, I would get a bit of a bollocking, but it was never, no, you're mm. going to finish this, whether you like it or not. Mm. And to some extent, I get it. Your parents aren't going to make you do anything that doesn't make you happy. Yeah. But like... And everything, I've, I've played violin, I've played the clarinet, I've done dance, I've done netball, I've done basketball, I've done hockey, I've swam, I've done karate. Literally, like I've done it all. And when, at the minute I was like, I don't want to do this no more. My parents were like, okay. <laughs> Bro, your parents are real Gs, you know. They was like, and I'm, I, obviously I'm, I'm being a bit hardball. It wasn't like, oh, okay, dear, yeah, whatever you no, want. Of course, but but yeah. like... They could see that I was resisting a bit and it was kind of like, do you know what, she don't want to do it, it's fine. She doesn't have to do it kind of thing. Yeah. And that's not even a slight. That's not even like, oh, why didn't you make me do it? But I do, but I know for me, and obviously you learn and you live from your parents. Yeah, yeah. There's certain things, I'm not going to do whatever doesn't make my kids happy, but I'm not going to let them give up on something just simply because they can't be bothered. I feel like parenting is trial and error anyway. 100%. You know I mean? like yeah, nobody yeah. knows what they're doing when they're parenting in the grand scheme of things. And I'm so grateful for that because at this point in my life, I, when it comes to certain things like what job someone wants to do, what career path someone takes, what hobbies someone has, like my parents are so open, they're so open, like as long as it makes me happy and morally it's right and it aligns with like our principles, mm. they are happy as long as I'm happy and to be honest I wouldn't trade that for them, I wouldn't trade that for any other, like, any other situation, mm. do you know what I mean, because a lot of people don't have parents like that. Not for you. And I'm so grateful for that. It's always going to be like, I think as we get older, we we humanise our parents more. And yeah. we see them for the beauty that of what they gave us, but we can also understand the flaws that they had as just adults. As, as just as a human, as, as just as, as, as human people. Being, do you know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's like, that's what I feel like a lot of us are now getting into that space where we had a lot of resentment to our parents maybe when we were a bit younger. But now that resentment's kind of evolved into just being like, you know what? I get it. I get it, and it's okay. I still love you, mum. I still love you, dad, if you've got a dad in your life. Right. And it's cool, do you know what I mean? But moving on to more of a, a lighter note, to say the least, <laughs> yeah, I think that was a, a bit heavy. Huge, I think that was a bit <laughs> heavy. Music. <coughs> I, I, I hear and I see that you're working on quite a bit. Yeah. Let's divulge into that. What made you get back into music? Teaching. Okay. So random, innit? Basically, I was like, yeah, I want to teach. Like, I found what I want to do. Like, I want to teach. I started this PGC and I was like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? As much as, as much as I'm, I'm going to be so happy that I have that there, I'm going to be so happy I have that security because if for whatever reason music doesn't work out, I will have something to do that makes me happy that doesn't end in the classroom. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But like being in the classroom, I'm like, I thought this would, I thought I would feel satisfied and I'm not. And I have to really stop mm. pretending that I don't want to sing. I really suppressed it and told myself I didn't want to do it because I was that scared. I was that scared to go through it. I was like, I don't want to do it. Nah, it's not for me. Because I was that scared. I didn't have, the, I did not have the balls. I've done it once. And I was like, yeah, it didn't work out. And I think I told myself, I don't want to do this anymore. Because if I didn't want to do it, I didn't feel shit for missing out. Mm. If I told myself this isn't what I wanted, mm -hmm. I didn't 
I didn't feel bad that I wasn't doing it, that I wasn't succeeding at it because I don't want it. So it doesn't matter if I'm not succeeding right now because this isn't what I want anyway. So you basically sold that yourself a lie. That was my tactic. Yeah, I sold myself a lie. I definitely did. I definitely did. And then after, obviously, I thought, okay, I've got a platform now. It's kind of like do or die at this point. So let's divulge into the music a bit further now. What can we expect? Um, Talk up the teams now. I know, I hate this, man. Talk up the okay. teams. So I've got my video coming out in a couple of weeks. Okay. And I'm releasing my EP a couple of weeks after that. Have you got a name for the EP? It's called Lovish Letters. Lovish Letters? Yeah. Okay. And what's the kind of theme or semantics by the song? It's basically about all these different situations other than being in a healthy, functioning relationship. So is it coming from pain? That's why it's like lovish. Nah, nah, it's not even coming from pain. So I've got one that's about when you're in a relationship, it's dysfunctional and you know the person isn't good for you. But you know that addictive feeling you get when you're into someone? Yeah. And like this shit. Like when you're there and it's happening, it's amazing. When they're gone, you're like, this ain't good for me. Like I can't do, do you know what I mean? One of them's about that. That's euphoria. That's the first track that's coming out. You're going to trigger a lot of girls with that statement, you know, still. And I'm then. A lot of them in that situation. Even man. Everyone, man. Everyone's been there. Even myself. A majority of people have been there over. Yeah. And um, I've got another one that's about when you're dealing with someone and you like them and you clock they're playing you and you're like, nah, nah. I'm nipping this in the bud. Like, my voice is actually finished. Your voice is almost finished, but... My voice is actually finished. Okay, so, yeah, when you're, like, seeing someone and you clock they're trying to play you and you're like, right, I need to nip this in the bud. This is enough now. And you're like, you tried it. You, you nearly got one up on me, but no, I'm not having it. And so number is that one, the more bossy tune? Like, in yeah. The sense. Okay, that's the bossy that tune. One, that's the bossy one, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then um, there's another one about when you're into someone but it's just kind of physical. Like I just, like, I'm not trying to be in love with you, brother. Just want to do a thing. So from like, moving, a woman's you get me? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, yeah. I want to do a tongue. I'm feeling the thing. I want to taste and I want to do me. I say like that's one of them. And then the last one is when you're really into someone, but you don't have the balls to tell them, and they basically like have no clue. But you're proper into them, but you just can't bring yourself to tell them. I feel like people just know. Like. Oh, man. I feel like, you know what, like from a male perspective, I feel like women act oblivious sometimes on purpose. Yeah. Oblivious on purpose. It's like, so much easier to act like oblivious on purpose like, than oh, to be really? like, I don't like you. Because that's, that's not a conversation oh, you want to have, mean, you especially know? when you get on with a guy. Yeah. It's extra difficult to have when yeah, you get yeah, on with yeah. a guy and you value like whatever kind of friendship you have. To be like, listen, I'm not feeling you, I'm not into you, it's long. So you act like you don't. You act like you don't see it. Like, oh, so really? much easier. I never knew, you know. So much easier. Wow. Oh, so much oh, easier. Interesting themes, though. Interesting themes. So, oh, yeah. video, EP. The video looks good, too, if I do say so myself. We're going to watch it after this. Yeah. So Little, do- little Jobs production done this I mean, I'm going to get exclusive preview. You won't, so ha-ha. But <laughs> saying all of that, <coughs> with music, you previously mentioned how, like, it's not the be one end all for you. Yeah. And it's just kind of an evolution of yourself. Now, how do you kind of want to... Like, now you've got this kind of plan to drop the EP and to go forward with it. What's the next step after that? Or have you not thought that far ahead? I'm not going to lie to you. I never think that far ahead. I'm not so that it's person. only two steps ahead, that's it? Let's say I have a quarter-year plan. <laughs> All right. 
Okay. For me, do you know what it is? I want to see what happens with this video. I want to see the reception it gets because it may be a thing where I put it out and I just got to start a square one like everyone else. My following doesn't really make a difference in that respect. I feel you. But feel maybe you. I put it out and it's received really well. Like, I don't know. So when that comes out, I know what I'm doing and I know what my bench, where, what my starting point is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like the um, the reception that you may get from the project, like if if it's not such a great reception, you've heard a few of the snippets and. I think you'll get a great reception. But if you, if it's not the reception that you're expecting, would that deter you from kind of pushing forward in the future with music? At this point, no, because I feel like I just have to get on with it. Oh. And I just feel like... If... I feel like everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. And for me, this is just me figuring out my starting point. Yeah. And that's why I really don't have any real expectations too tough for this. And I'm preparing myself. But luckily, I know... That at the end of the day, if I put this out tomorrow, a month from now, I'll be able to fill out a local venue and sell some tickets. That much I feel like I'm sure of. There's definitely, there's definitely people that will respond. It's just a case of how many. I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know what the magnitude of this is going to be. So it's not like I think I'm going to put it out and it's going to be like... Yeah, yeah. Prophesize. Look, I'll tell you one thing now, right? This podcast, this podcast is, is a prophecy space. It's a prophecy podcast. What you say here... Invariably, I will happen. I will say nothing. Man's Cardi and Cardi B and up the things. So. Nah, yeah, blood. Nah, talk it up. Talk it up. Beyonce in this thing, fam. Come. <laughs> raise the levels, we'll see, bro. We'll see how it goes. We'll Do see what I'm how saying? It goes. Like, I'm telling you, like, this is a prophecy podcast. The video looks good, though. Probably I've had people good. that come I was like, watching it today and I was like, is that me? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm, no, it looks good. It looks good. The product, like, the production is, like, amazing. No, but... And the direction is sick. Like, it's a good video. I'm so glad. I would just like to say um, we have a forte space for you when you're ready to perform a, a live show. 100%. We're ready. We're ready. When my voice comes back, I'm pissed. I am fucking pissed. Do you know why I lose my voice? Because I've got to talk all day in school. Yeah. I woke up with a sore throat on what, Wednesday. By the end of the day, my voice was like... Yeah. I had to do PE today. I never, te I never teach PE. When do I have to teach PE? The day that I lose my voice and I'm meant to be recording next week. That's the day I have to teach PE. I'm there in the playground. I'm like, 6P! <laughs> this, is what I saw. this is me shouting. 6P! Get in line! <laughs> and I'm like, do you, know what I had to do you know what I had to use today? There's no spare fucking whistles. Two fucking, what's it called? Cylinders. <laughs> you know the things that you bang together? Doosh, doosh, doosh. I'm in the playground just banging it like one of those fucking wind-up monkeys just banging it. Get in line! <laughs> I was pissed and I get them all going around miss your voice your voice is going yes I can hear that it's my voice what's wrong with your voice like why does your voice sound like that because of you because I'm constantly having to tell you lot to do everything more than twice and they're looking at me like oh sorry miss and I'm just like please I had to stop them today before pee I was like listen to me you know you look in the eyes listen to me my voice is going okay if I have to tell anyone to do anything more than once, you are sitting out. You will not participate. <laughs> do you hear me? <laughs> One of the boys in my class, like, he's such a character. I love him to death. But this guy just does not, like, in his own world, like, you have to do everything. I called him. You know you have to talk to him separately. I told the whole class, I said, come here. Did you hear what I said? I said, what did I say? He repeated back to me. I said, listen, Ayub, you know when you're chatting to them on a level, you're not telling them off, you're like, listen, fam, look, let me, like, like brother. I hear you from that. I yeah, you, and like. he looked at me like, miss, I feel you, I got you. Yeah. Me, this lesson, I'm going to behave. 
I was like, thank you. He actually <laughs> did behave. I didn't have to tell him off. So, yeah. Oh, no, that's sweet. That's sweet. But you know what? When your voice does come back and you want to shed off those notes, like, like Samuel said, there's always a welcome platform for you. You're now thank part you. of the 14 family. It. Done that. You've got here. a cap. It's got official. a cap. She's part of no, it. No, do you know She's what? Certified. Yeah, after this, we're going to have to play it back so I can hear what I sounded like at the beginning and what I sound like now. Yeah, it's a bit peak still, I'm going to lie it's to you. It's actually peak. But at it's the same just, time, this wine isn't helping there. For those that may be unfamiliar with Azrael, where can they find out about you? Luckily, my name is very unique. That is. So if you just type in A Z R Y A H, I will come up on everything. Especially in Google. That's what I did. And there was a lot of content for me to read. So, yeah. But yeah, connect with Azraya, look out for a video, look out for just her. She's a dope individual. Thank you. I love following her. She, she's, she's a serial liker. She's, she hardly retweets because she just likes people's opinions. <laughs> Does that bear come up on the timeline? Do you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah, I can't incriminate myself. Listen, I'm putting you up. I don't care. I like bears. I like she, bear she, things. She, she, she likes a bag of tweets, even my own, but she'll never retweet because she just... Sometimes you just got to like in private and not share in public. It'd be like that sometimes. Even though Twitter are baiting us up now, man. Do you know what I'm saying? They tried but it. at the same time, she's a lovely individual, a lovely woman, a, an amazing woman, should I say. Thank you. You know, we didn't even get to touch on your book club and things of that nature. Oh, so shit, you know, I but, that in a little while. But I'm thinking, I was actually thinking about while I'm sitting here, I want to have like a, a thing where I actually meet up with people. I think do that. I want to start it up. I think we do that. If you need a space, you know, this is an open space to you as well. No, I'm in the job. Listen, listen, this is, this is a space for, for people to share, right? But at the same time, connect with Ezraio, connect with Seeps, that's C-W-E-P-Z, connect with Samuel, that's Sammy O-G. Yeah, he's in the background, but, you know, follow him anyway. Um, he's a cool guy as well. He's part of the Forte. That's my G. Um, but yeah, that's another episode of Finding Your Forte. And as always, find your Forte, live your Forte, and love your Forte. Find your forte. Live your forte.